Canada erases its own history and then imports foreign history and foreign culture to replace our own. It's a slap in the face and Canadians have had enough. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our channel, leave us a five-star review if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it. And don't forget to head on over to our website, TNC, as in True North Center, dot news, to sign up for a newsletter so you'll never miss a story. And if you support our journalism where you want to, consider hitting that donate button and become a True North Insider. Okay, so one of the biggest stories of the 2020s so far has been the rise of the woke mob. Their insistence that everything about the West, everything about Canada, can be boiled down to a few neo-Marxist buzzwords. Colonialism, settler, white supremacist, oppressor, illegitimate government, and unceded land. Now, the big surprise about this woke movement, which probably has the support of, what, maybe 10% of the population, probably a lot less, the biggest surprise has been their success. In the course of just a few years, the woke mob has successfully managed to convince governments and schools across Canada to rewrite our entire history, to scrub our public institutions of any mention of the old erased history. Elites in this country have been more than happy to bend the knee, to roll over, and to accept this new insane dogma. Out with the old and in with the new. Sir John A. Macdonald, Anything to do with the royal family, anything to do with the education of Native Canadians like Egerton Ryerson, who devoted his entire life to helping educate poor First Nation children, it all had to go. Their names were wiped off streets, buildings, schools, and in some cases even removed from the history book. And what was it replaced with? Well, sometimes the woke left came up with these bland, meaningless names reminiscent of the USSR or Orwell's novel 1984. For instance, Ryerson High School in Ontario was renamed Old North Public School. And Ryerson University in Toronto, of course, was renamed Toronto Metropolitan University. Not surprisingly, Justin Trudeau's legacy media in Canada has been cheering this all on. They've been telling us how progressive and how liberal it is to erase one's own history, to stop educating new generations of Canadians, and to stop telling the stories of how Canada actually became one of the most free, peaceful, and prosperous societies in all of human history. Let's just erase our history and see what happens, what could possibly go wrong. So sometimes these new names are bland and meaningless. Other times they replace the history of the French, British, and Scottish explorers, the people who built Canada, you know, the country that we live in, with the imagined forefathers of Canada, the First Nations leaders who themselves had no part in the founding of Canada as a country or the establishments of the institutions thereof. We're told that these are the real heroes and the real creators of Canada. Forget about the facts or the history. In New Canada, French and English Canadians are bad, no matter what, and any other culture literally any other culture, any other practice, no matter how barbaric or sadistic or un-Canadian, any other practice, any other culture is celebrated, promoted, and will replace whatever we had before. So the latest example of this, and may I say the most absurd thing that I have seen in a long, long time in Canadian politics, just happened last week in Toronto, Thursday, December 14th, Socialist Mayor Olivia Chow and all of City Council, they all voted unanimously to rename the city's iconic Dundas Square. What will the new name be? Well, they decided it will be called Sankofa Square. Dundas had to go, according to the Marxists who think they run the city of Toronto, because of his namesake, Henry Dundas, and his alleged connections to slavery. So was Dundas a slave trader? Did he own slaves? Did he create slavery, as many on the left would have you believe? No, quite the opposite, actually. Henry Dundas was an abolitionist. He fought for the emancipation of slaves. He sponsored many bills to end slavery, including a bill to end hereditary slave ownership, and he helped convince the British to wage a war that would eventually lead to the end of the transatlantic slave trade. But according to the woke academics, because he advocated for a gradual change instead of an overnight revolution, I guess, that was evil. So there you have it. Dundas had to go. 
So what about this new name, Sankofa? Where did it come from and what does it mean? Is it named after a brave native warrior, First Nations tribe in Canada? Does it have any significant meaning to this land or to Canada? No, absolutely not. It has absolutely nothing to do with Canada, nothing to do with our country, and nothing to do with our history. The new name, Sankofa, comes from an African tribe called the Akan tribe. And it means something like to go back and get it. Okay, so the name was apparently in an effort to make Black Canadians feel more at home or empowered or something. Let me just quickly point out, I pointed this out on the program before, but the vast, overwhelming majority, more than 90% of Black people in Canada are themselves first-generation or second-generation Canadians, meaning that they either immigrated themselves or their parents did this according to Statistics Canada. 92% of Black people in Canada chose Canada or their parents chose Canada. So if Canada were truly a racist, white supremacist, slavery-endorsing country, simple question, why did they all choose to come here? Why did they choose this country? Why are they in Canada? It's almost as if the leftist narrative about Canada makes absolutely no sense at all. Well, this is where things get interesting, because as it turns out, the new woke name, which comes from that African tribe, may not be so innocent. I really wonder, did city council bother Googling this tribe before the vote? Did anyone do any research about the tribe? because they probably should have. As Truth journalist and editor Andrew Lawton reports, according to renowned Ghanan historian Ivor Vilks, the Akin tribe were slave owners and slave traders. Yes, you heard that correctly. They had their hand in creating the transatlantic slave trade, believe it or not. According to Wilkes, the Akin exchanged their gold for these slaves, who rewarded their Akin masters by creating an agricultural revolution during the 15th and 16th century. Yes, the Akan people imported slaves to help clear their forests, where they searched for gold, but they also sold slaves to Europeans, fueling the transatlantic slave trade. They were the ones hosting those slave auctions. They were selling their people to the Europeans. Unbelievable. In 2006, Ghana acknowledged this dark chapter in their history, and they apologized to the descendants of slaves for their role in the slave trade. Yes, the Akan people were some of the original slave traders. And yet, the name apparently will now be forever engraved in the city of Toronto as the new name of Dundas Square. Canada is a country led by people who hate us. They hate our values, they hate our culture, and mostly, honestly, they hate our skin color. They'll stop at nothing to erase our history and tear apart our civilization. Now keep this in mind, it is against this anti-Canadian backdrop, many other stories just like this, that we learned about a new statue being erected up the road in Brampton, Ontario, some 20 miles away from Dundas Square. What kind of statue, may I ask? Well, this is a 55-foot statue of a Hindu god here is what the statue looked like. As True North Harrison Faulkner points out, he writes, Canada in 2023, Toronto, Sir John McDonald's statue at Queen's Park in a wooden box for over two years, Brampton, a brand new 55-foot tall statue of Hanuman, the Hindu monkey commander of the monkey army. Now, I don't think Harrison is blaming the Hindu temple in Brampton for the removal of the Sir John A. statues across Canada, but he's just pointing out that these two things are happening simultaneously in our culture. This is a zeitgeist of our country. We hate our own. We celebrate everyone else. So is Harrison being a little disrespectful to our Hindu friends? Maybe a little. He sent me this description explaining his source for why he called Hanuman a monkey commander. It comes from none other than the editors of the Encyclopedia Britannica. This is a description of Hanuma. It says, Hanuman in Hindu mythology is the monkey commander of the monkey army. His exploits are narrated in the great Hindu Sanskrit poem, Rama's Journey. So he didn't just make it up. He has a source. If you don't like his language, take it up with the Encyclopedia Britannica. But also in Canada, you're allowed to be disrespectful. You're even allowed to be disrespectful towards others' religions. Religious freedom includes the right to criticize and to mock religion. 
Just ask the creators of Sweet Jesus Ice Cream, an ice cream brand in Canada, or the artist who created the controversial Piss Christ, which was a small statue of Jesus Christ inside a vial of the artist's own pee. Or, hey, even ask our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who, alongside his Marxist brother, Sasha Trudeau, wore these incredibly ugly and incredibly disrespectful Christmas sweaters. You can see the sweaters depict Christ and his disciples during the Last Supper, but their heads have been replaced by silly little emojis and Lego characters. So in Canada, you are allowed to mock religion, no matter how offensive, no matter how rude it may be to some, certainly isn't against the law, and it certainly isn't racist to do so. Now, as far as the statue is concerned, look, I'm all for religious freedom. I think it's wonderful that Canada allows religious freedom, allows for people to pray in any way they want. Truly, our fundamental freedoms are one of our country's greatest virtues. Secondly, Hindus are model immigrants. They're some of the best. I respect them and I have no problem with them practicing their religion. In Canada, once again, I truly think it is great. But on a visceral level, I understand why many Canadians are unhappy with this statue and this development. It is against the backdrop of our own culture being mocked and destroyed, our own history being erased, and our statues being toppled. Now, like I said, this was a big issue online. A lot of Canadians had the same sort of visceral reaction to seeing this large statue being erected in a suburb of Toronto. Some libertarians jumped in on the liberal side of the argument, and they jumped in with the whole private property argument, as if that's the standard in Canada, that on your own private property, you can do whatever you want. Well, believe me, that is simply not the case. That's not the standard in Canada. I'll give you a personal example. My family and I are looking to buy an acreage in suburban Toronto, just outside the city. And we looked at a property, we found a property that we really liked, and when we were going to put together an offer to buy it, we found out that it was in something called the Oak Ridges Moraine, which is a protected area where, I kid you not, the government will not allow you to tear down a single tree. They won't allow you to so much as build a shed on your property, let alone do any kind of renovation or rebuild or extension on the existing home. Even if you own 100 acres, it doesn't matter. The government will tell you that you're not allowed to build on your own private property. I can show you emails from my realtor and from my real estate lawyer who specializes in this area of law. And they both told me, unfortunately, that you do not have the right to build whatever you want, even on private property in Canada. We know there are bylaws and restrictions on buildings all over Canada. So it really is not just a matter of do whatever you want on private property. Here's a couple of libertarians online making this argument. Anthony Koch saying, privately funded, situated on private property, Nothing wrong with this. And the pub reporter is a guy I actually have a great deal of respect for. He said, agreed, bro. We ain't paying for it. Who gives an F? Well, libertarians, let me tell you why some Canadians do give an F. There is a deeper moral and psychological issue here that some are trying to gloss over. Canada is a country at present that tears down its own statues from Sir John A. to Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth, Egerton Ryerson, and Henry Dundas. Canada is a country where 83 churches were desecrated or burnt to the ground in the summer of 2021, and our elites barely noticed it barely batted an eye. Our government tells us that Christmas is contemptible, and that saying Merry Christmas is a form of religious intolerance and bigotry. We saw Santa Claus inside a mall just north of Toronto being protested by Hamas supporters, and we saw Hamas supporters in downtown Toronto telling Christmas shoppers to go F themselves and uttering violent threats. Our government recently rejected the idea of December being named Christian Heritage Month. After all, Canada was founded by religious Christians in pursuit of religious liberty and based fundamentally on Christian values and ideals, shouldn't we maybe teach the next generation about those values and how they help create our country? 
Well, no way, bigot. Talking about Christianity is wrong. That's what we're told. Meanwhile, Canada happily celebrates the following holidays and months. This is coming from the Government of Canada's website from the Department of Heritage, Important and Commemorative Days. So January is Tamil Heritage Month. January also includes the World Day for African and Afro-descendant cultures and the National Day of Remembrance and Action Against Islamophobia. February is Black History Month. March is Irish History Month and includes the Day to Combat Islamophobia, International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, and International Transgender Day of Visibility. April is Sikh Heritage Month as well as Genocide Prevention Month and includes the International Day of Pink. May is Asian Heritage Month and Canadian Jewish Heritage Month. June is National Indigenous Heritage Month, Italian Heritage Month, Filipino Heritage Month, Portuguese Heritage Month, and it's the launch of Pride season. Pride is no longer just a month. It's an entire season. June also includes National Indigenous Peoples Day and Canadian Multiculturalism Day. July, we get one day for Canada Day. Way to go. August is Emancipation Day and Public Service Pride Week. September includes Mennonite Heritage Week, Gender Equality Week, and of course, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. October is German Heritage Month, Canadian Islamic Heritage Month, Latin American Heritage Month, and Women's History Month. November is Hindu Heritage Month, and it includes National Transgender Day of Remembrance. Canada History Week, we get one week in the middle of November there, and it's wrapped up by 16 days of activism against gender violence. December, well, heaven forbid that December become Christian Heritage Month. We literally celebrate everyone else and everything else, but heaven forbid we create something to celebrate our own history. So no, it's not out of ignorance or bigotry or racism that people would oppose a 55-foot Hindu statue in suburban Toronto. It's because we're sick and tired of everyone else's culture being prioritized, being honored, being revered, and being celebrated, while our own culture, Canada's core and dominant culture, the culture that founded this great country and allowed everyone else to come in and enjoy, well, that culture is constantly and repeatedly demonized, degraded, and destroyed. Canadian pluralism only works when newcomers are welcomed and encouraged to integrate, to respect Canada, to adopt our values, and recognize that there is a dominant culture. Subcultures are fine and good, but they're just that, subcultures. Under Trudeau and the failed cult of multiculturalism, newcomers are never told that. Instead, they're told that it is their job to dominate us. They're here to culture us, to show us their ways, to replace our traditions and institutions with their own. They're told that they have superior education, so they'll dominate our schools and our job markets. Different rules apply to them. They're not held to the same standard as other Canadians. In fact, they're prioritized for scholarships, for opportunities, and for jobs. Their statues are approved while ours are torn down. Well, I have news for the multiculturalists and the elites who are trying to socially engineer Canada. We Canadians have finally had enough. We don't like this ideology. Neither do many new Canadians, the ones who are grateful to be here, who appreciate Canada for what it is, or at least what it was until fairly recently. The reason there's been intense backlash online over these two issues, the renaming of Dundas Square and the giant Hindu statue in Brampton, is because Canadians are finally waking up to the agenda of the woke left. We don't like it, and we're finally ready to fight back. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.